You are listening to the God Focused Life Podcast. I am your host, Rebecca Thompson, and my prayer is that every single listener will be inspired and challenged to be all that God has created you to be. I want to welcome you to today's podcast. This is podcast number four. We are talking about broken heartedness. Jesus said that when we are on earth, we are going to have many trials and many tribulations. But he also said to take heart because he has overcome the world. Jesus does not want us to avoid or ignore our devastations, our depressions, our broken hearts. He wants to feel that pain with us. He cries with us. He hurts with us. But he also gives us empowerment and tools to overcome, and we can be healed. Um, maybe you're going through something very hard and difficult right now. Maybe it's a death in the family. Maybe it's divorce. Maybe it's the loss of a child. Maybe it's a miscarriage or a wayward child. Maybe you've lost your home. Maybe, I mean, the list could go on and on. Or maybe it's something that you went through as a child. Maybe you watched your parents divorce. Maybe you lost your home. You see your parents um, uh, separate, divorce, and you are forced to move to a new home. Maybe you have been abused in your childhood or abandoned or maybe just loneliness. Maybe it's the heart you know, the heartache, it's very real of your first true love. And, you know, maybe it was someone you were dating. Um, maybe it's abortion. Maybe it's, um, it, it could be so many different things that you've gone through even as a child or a teenager. Maybe it was five years ago, 10 years ago. Devastation happens to all of us. I know for me, my very, very first heartache and broken heart was when I was 14 years old. Um, I remember being at home alone. My dad was working. My mom and brother had just set out. They were going to go see my sister. And I was at home by myself thinking I'm grown, you know, 14 years old. Although my grandparents lived next door. So I wasn't, you know, really all by myself. Um, I had some oversight, but, you know, I'm feeling pretty good doing my homework, uh, staying at home. And in about 30 minutes after my mom and brother left, there was a knock at the door and it was one of our neighbors who had lived, I don't know, maybe a, a mile or so down the road. And he came and knocked at the door and he said, Rebecca, is anybody else at home? And I said, no. He said, I really need to talk with someone else. There's nobody. And I said, well, my grandparents are next door. He was like, yeah, well, let's walk over there. So we I got my shoes on. We walked over to my grandparents. I just remember that um, that neighbor had taken my grandfather out to the front porch and had told my grandfather what had happened. And when they came back in, um, I can't remember details of which one, whether it was my grandfather or the neighbor that had told us that there had been an accident, a car accident, and that I knew that my brother had survived, but I knew that things were really bad with my mom, but I didn't know at that point how bad. Um, I remember our neighbor, you know, saying, just get in the car. We'll drive down to the hospital. I remember just driving down. We even drove past the 911 scene, you know, where the accident had happened and seeing all of the vehicles and the fire trucks and people just all around. Um, but 
um, I, I did not see my mom nor my brother, but I, I, I just remember seeing that as we were driving down and finally we get to the hospital and I just remember going in and seeing all of the family they take you into this special room where all of the family gathers and, I see my sister and I ran to her. I was 14 years old. She was eight years older and I just hug her. And all I know is that my brother had made it, but I didn't know about my mom. And I was asking, how's mom? Where's mom? How's mom? And I just remember my sister holding me so tight and saying, Beck, she didn't make it. She didn't make it. And I just remember saying, you know, like, what? What? No, no, no. And I just remember crying so, so hard. And I remember my sister hugging me so, so hard. I remember that broken heart. That was when my heart absolutely broke into. I remember that night very vividly. Most people, um, they will say, uh, it, when anything happens that's really traumatic like that, they can remember the details as if it was the, you know, like last night. I remember at one point my dad asking, do I want to go in and see my mom? My mom's injuries were all internal. So she was not like a real, you know, bloody mess or anything. It was, you know, like I said, it was all internal. And I'm assuming that that's what my dad was thinking was that, you know, just to have closure for me as a child to be able to see my mom. Um, so I remember going in and seeing her and I still have that vision inside my, my mind of what it was like to see, wow, just, you know, an hour, hour and a half ago, you know, I'm, I'm saying goodbye to my mom, you know, they're, they're getting ready to leave, but I had no idea what was going to happen that I would literally see my mom laying on a table, um, not being able to speak and, and tell me that she loves me again. It was devastating. I remember going to see my brother in the hospital later that night. And, um, I remember him laying in the hospital bed and he had had a broken neck. He's laying there with the cast around his neck and, um, he's asking the same question I asked. What about mom? You know, we're asking him, do you remember things about the accident? You know, because he's just waking up from surgery and he's like, what about mom? And, you know, and, and when my dad told him, he just cries and I literally pass out. I passed out on the bed beside, like I literally had to lay, you know, in a bed that was, um, in the, at the other end of the room. It was so, so devastating. Those days that followed was full of people from all over the place. Our family was always in ministry. So not only did family gather, um, immediate family, we had cousins. I come from a very large family. We had cousins and aunts and uncles and people from church and multiple churches because our family was in ministry. We traveled and sang in different churches and I just remember the family night that we were there for hours and hours. I mean, I think we finally left the funeral home around, I don't know, 11, 1130, because there were so many people. They said that there was just a line out the door and we're just, we're there hugging people, hugging people, hugging people, which was wonderful because so many people just loved on us and poured out to us. I remember the funeral. I remember, um, you know, seeing the casket and going into the ground, but I'm starting to numb like, um, you know, over at that point, I start 
covering over and kind of like in a state of shock. And I'm not really embracing the hurt and the pain as a 14 year old. You know, a lot of times people will say that, you know, kids are resilient and, you know, that's true to a certain extent, but nothing just comes and magically heals that broken heart. Nothing just comes and takes away that devastation and just makes it all better. Um, so that happens. The funeral, I believe was on a Sunday and I just know that by Tuesday, I'm back in school. I was, you know, 14 in high school, ninth grade, and I'm back business as usual. Um, and I remember later on teachers telling me that I just kept a smile on my face and it was almost as if nothing had ever happened because I'm, you know, skipping around, diddy bopping around with a smile on my face and just covering and covering and covering that broken heart. Now, fast forward, I know that, um, you know, multiple things continue to happen. Uh, my dad ended up remarrying and divorcing. And that was another, um, part of my heart breaking for different reasons, but another traumatic situation. And we moved a couple more times, you know, things are just happening left and right. Nothing stable, nothing normal. Um, just like now what, now what's happening now, what's happening now, now what, now what just things happening left and right. And then later on when I was 22 years old, uh, we'll just kind of jump forward to that. I married and, um, looking back, you know, in hindsight, because hindsight is 2020, when you look back, um, I can see that was not God's perfect will for me. As a matter of fact, I remember pulling out the scriptures about being unequally yoked. And I remember the day that I was saying, I do and marrying this man that the Lord, I just felt the Holy Spirit saying on the inside, don't do it, don't do it, don't do it, don't do it. And I did it anyway, but I did not know that that was the voice of the Holy Spirit. I didn't, I just wasn't familiar. I was a Christian and I loved Jesus and I knew that he died on the cross for me, but I did not know at those early ages how to allow the Lord to literally come on the inside of me and help me and lead me and guide me and heal the brokenness that's on the inside of me. I just didn't know how to do those things. So married and the marriage was absolutely horrendous. It was awful, awful, awful. Um, I, I won't go into details of that in this podcast, but there was so many more, um, arrows shot into the heart, you know, the, a heart that was already broken multiple times. And then just more is like injury to injury. Um, just so many things that happened over and over and over in our marriage that was just devastating. I finally picked up the phone and called a counselor. I found one who was a psychologist and also a Christian. And I remember calling her and saying, hello, this is Rebecca. I would like an appointment. And, you know, because I'm depressed and she is on the other end. And she was like, you do not sound depressed because I was a master at covering over my broken heart and pretending like it didn't exist. So I'm like, oh yeah, oh, I'm so depressed. I'm so hurt. And so, you know, and so we set the appointment 
And little did I know that that started me on a journey that was going to be one of the hardest, most difficult journeys I had ever been on to this day. Even though I'm going to a counselor thinking she's going to come and fix all of this mess and help me. I'm thinking I'm going there that she's going to fix my marriage. Little did I know that we were going to unravel all of these years and get right back to me being 14 years old, seeing my mom, watching that casket go down six feet under and starting to really mourn and deal with the broken heart to not cover it anymore, but to really deal with it, to really feel it and embrace it. When we pretend that things aren't as bad as they seem, or we try to slap on some of these cliches, some of these, and even Bible verses. I remember being 14 and just hearing this over and over. God is good and mom's in a better place. She's in heaven and things are okay now. I remember saying those things over and over and over just to mask the pain. And it, it, while those things are true, absolutely, but I wasn't dealing with the truth of my heart being shattered. It wasn't just broken in two. It was shattered into bits and pieces. Because when I lost a mom, not only was I devastated of losing a mom, I lost someone for all of these years that would help me, guide me in marriage, in, um, you know, in womanhood, in dating, in how to become a godly woman, in, um, later on as I become a mother. I mean, I, like, my life was shattered by saying goodbye to a mom. There are so many areas that there's a void even still to this day. And I'm 46 years old and I still have to deal with those places in my heart that ache and hurt because of what happened to me when I was 14 years old. Now, I share my story in hopes to give you some insight. I don't know what you're going through. I don't know the hurt and the devastation maybe that you went through as a child or as a teenager, or in your 20s, or maybe something that you're going through right now. But it is necessary for you to deal with those broken places and the broken heart. It is so necessary to get healing in all areas in order for you to live a successful life, in order for you to have a successful marriage or to be a um, thriving, successful parent. It's not about the success when it comes to what the world says. It's the success according to what Jesus says. And that success means that we are able to live by the fruit of the spirit, not the hurts of the heart, that we are able to be overcomers because we've taken an assessment and have mourned the broken, you know, the, those broken places and the broken heart. And we've mourned it and we've learned the tools and, uh, you know, coupled with the power of God's word to heal it and to move on according to God's way. Um, there was a verse that stuck out to me this morning in first Samuel, first Samuel, um, chapter 16, verse seven. And this is when they are, um, uh, Samuel is the priest 
And God told Samuel, okay, the people want a king. I want you to go and I'm going to show you who the king is. And when Samuel goes to this man's house, this man's name is Jesse. He goes to his house and he's looking at all of these, you know, all of his sons. And he's looking at the outward appearance who appears to be someone that would fit the, you know, the role of a king. And he went through all of the sons and it was actually the the youngest son that did not look the part. He was a boy at the time. He's out there with the sheep. He's, you know, he doesn't even look anything like he's going to play the part of a king at one, you know, later on. But the Lord told Samuel, um, he said this, he said, the Lord does not look at the things people look out, look at. People look at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. So in that situation, Samuel is looking not only at the outward appearance, but he's actually looking at the time. And the Lord is saying, yes, I'm choosing the king, even though it's going to be years before this king comes into office. David was going to have to go through many, many, many different things before he became king. Um, and so sometimes we try to use our own logic to figure out what it is that the Lord is doing. But the Lord says, no, you're looking at the outward appearance. People were looking at me saying, wow, Rebecca looks happy. She looks healthy. She looks like everything is fine. But the Lord was saying, oh, Rebecca, your heart, your heart is broken. And I want to be there to heal the heart. Um, Second Corinthians uh, chapter 12 Verse nine even says that um, it, it talks about how God wants to come to us in our weakness. So even when he sees that broken heart, he says, my grace is sufficient for you. My power is made perfect in weakness. And so Paul, Paul is the one that's writing this, you know, it's God giving the message, but Paul is writing this and he says, therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses so that Christ's power may rest on me. Sometimes we feel like, no, I don't want to feel this sadness. I don't want to embrace this weakness because that's what it is. It's weakness. And for whatever reason, we have this mentality that we are to conquer the world. We are to pick up our bootstraps and start, you know, be strong and face the world as is. But the Lord is saying, you know what? When you admit your weaknesses, when you come to me in humility, then I can intervene. We can take truth at face value. And the truth is, in my situation, your mom is not here. Your mom is gone. You are 14 years old and your heart is broken. God wanted to be powerful inside me. He wanted to come and heal those broken places on the inside. Now, his grace was still so sufficient for me. He cared for me and took care of me. And he did so many different things in my life that were absolutely beautiful and miraculous. But for that deeper, deeper work, it took the um, cooperation for me to agree to that. Um, I will say as an adult, uh, sometimes it's very easy for us to be afraid of that kind of pain. We're really scared to go to those deep places. Um, uh, you know, sometimes we're like, I don't want to cry. I don't want to deal with this. I'm strong enough. I can, I'm invincible. I'll just get a high paying job. I'll keep conquering the world and be successful and climb all of these ladders. 
but all the while our hearts are not healthy. They're not in the place that they need to be. And the Lord says, do not fear. This is in Isaiah 41 verse 10. Do not fear for I am with you. Do not be dismayed for I am your God. Excuse me. I will strengthen you and I will help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. God says that we are literally in the palm of his hands. So whenever we drop to our knees in our brokenness, we are falling onto the palm of God himself. And it says, I uphold you. So even when we fall down in our brokenness, he is still holding us up. I just think that is such a beautiful, beautiful picture. It also says in Isaiah 57 verse 15, of course, we know that God is high and exalted. He says, I live in a high and holy place, but I also live with the one who is contrite and lowly in spirit. That means someone who is so very humble, knowing I can't do this on my own. I am broken and I need some help. I need someone to help me right where I am. It also says at the end of that verse, he says um, he wants to revive the spirit of the lowly and to revive the heart of the contrite. He doesn't just get there to have pity on us where we are. He wants to come and breathe life new life and healing into our broken hearts. That's what he desires for us. Um, I know one of my verses that I absolutely love um, to run to whenever I am heartbroken and just devastated. That is Romans 8, 38 and 39, because nothing can separate us from his love. It says, for I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus, our Lord. The Lord wants to embrace us. And and there is a place where we can just close our eyes. We can just lay our defenses down. And maybe that means we are crumbled down on the floor on our knees, or maybe it is on our face. And we just cry and weep. And we can allow all of those obstacles just to, just to shove those things out of the way and embrace the Lord because the Lord will never allow anything to come in between him and us. But sometimes we are the ones that get distracted and we are focusing on all of these other things. And we are the ones that keep obstacles between us and the Lord. And I just want to encourage you, if you are in a place of being brokenhearted, or maybe there are those areas from your childhood, the thing that you really need to deal with and embrace Maybe it's time to just go into that quiet place, find, um, you know, maybe it's in your closet. Maybe you're going to go take a drive and go to a quiet place and, and no one around and you are just going to cry, scream, wail, holler. I don't know. Uh, holler. Is that 
Um, you know, <laughs> that Southern term that I use, that Virginia, that Virginia term of just hollering to the Lord. I, I don't know what you need to do, but to just get real before the Lord and say, God, I think there is an area in my life that I have not fully submitted and laid down on the altar to you so that you are able to heal my broken heart. He wants to meet you right where you are. He wants to come to you. He wants to hug you and hold you. Sometimes we think, uh, I can't see Jesus. And we're looking for flesh to come and hug us and to hold us because it feels good. It's something and somebody that we see. But I want you to know that God is there and he can wrap his spiritual arms around you right where you are. Um, I love Psalm 34, and we're going to um, close and, and wrap it up with this. Psalm 34 says, I will extol the Lord at all times. His praise will always be on my lips. I will glory in the Lord. Let the afflicted hear and rejoice. Glorify the Lord with me. Let us exalt his name together. So we want to realize God is to be praised. God is the one that we need to put on that throne and say, nobody else can heal me but you. Nobody else can can mend my broken heart but you. Not a husband, not a best friend, not a sister, not a brother, not a parent. Um, there, is, there are no substances not alcohol, not drugs, not something that we are trying to do, maybe a sport or a successful ladder that we're trying to climb. Nothing can be on that throne. We need to tear those things down and allow the Lord to be on that throne. And we need to praise him and say, God, you are the one that can heal my brokenness. It says in verse four, uh, chapter 34, uh, Psalm 34, verse four, I sought the Lord and he answered me. He delivered me from all my fears. Those who look to him are radiant. Their faces are never covered with shame. This poor man called out and the Lord heard him. He saved him out of all his troubles. The angel of the Lord encamps around those who fear him and he delivers them. Taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the one who takes refuge in him. Fear the Lord, you holy, fear the Lord, you his holy people. For those who fear him lack nothing. The lions may grow weary and hungry, but those who seek the Lord lack no good thing. Come, my children, listen to me. I will teach you the fear of the Lord. Whoever of you loves life and desires to see many good days, keep your tongue from evil and your lips from telling lies. Turn from evil and do good. Seek peace and pursue it. The eyes of the Lord are on the righteous and his ears are attentive to their cry. But the face of the Lord is against those who do evil to blot out their name from the earth. The righteous cry out and the Lord hears them. He delivers them from all their troubles. The Lord is close to the brokenhearted and saves those who are crushed in spirit. The righteous person may have many troubles, but the Lord delivers him from them all. He protects all his bones. Not one of them will be broken. 
Evil will slay the wicked. The foes of the righteous will be condemned. The Lord will rescue his servants. No one who takes refuge in him will be condemned. I just want to release you into the hands of God. He loves you. He cares for you. He wants to be there to heal you, whether it's hurts and a broken heart from the past or whether it is something really hurtful and painful you are going through now. God sees you and he loves you and he can be all things for you in this season. Just turn to him, beloved. Turn to him. I want to say bye for now.